Hi, welcome everyone. Uh, this is the first episode of the Food and Agriculture podcast, and we have a really important guest today, uh, Andrea. Am I pronouncing that right? Andrea. <laughs> Andrea. Yeah, Andrea. Uh, she helps lead the food, and, or she helps lead the Sierra Club in Alaska, and she's taking the time to talk to us. So thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, happy to be here. I guess like the first kind of like question that I was interested in is like how you got to start working at the Sierra Club and what kind of piqued your interest in this organization in specific? Sure. So previously to working here, I uh, was a staffer on a few campaigns. So a governor's mm -hmm. house race, um, mostly doing campaign finance. But when you work on campaigns, kind of the nature of it is that you do a little bit of everything because it's usually yeah. like staffs with a huge workload. Mm -hmm. um, and throughout that whole time, I had uh, really been in into backpacking and camping and all the yeah. outdoor things. And once I was kind of burnt out on the campaign lifestyle, I was looking for something more permanent and sort of a way to kind of combine my interest in the outdoors with my like political career interests. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied to just different environmental nonprofits and conservation organizations that I could find job listings. Uh, I had visited Alaska once in college to backpack and kind of had this yeah. uh, big dream in the back of my mind and just mm -hmm. applied on a whim. And it really, uh, it was, it was an amazing opportunity and I'm glad that I did. Yeah. I guess like going off of that, um, what kind of like got you interested into like working on campaigns and things like that um, before getting to the Sierra club, I guess, like what was your journey through that aspect of it? Sure. So I definitely grew up, I would say, like a relatively uninformed and apathetic uh, teen. Unlike yeah. you, you're all of your friends. <laughs> I went to the University of Alabama for college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like to joke that I became like a hippie liberal vegan <laughs> in Alabama. Because yeah. yeah. um, I, I think like the, the sort of like progressive uh, groups in Alabama are some mm -hmm. of the most or in the deep South, um, from my experience are some of the most inspiring because like they really are fighting the hardest battles for an overboard and just totally doing it for what they believe is right. And there is no money or fame or glory in it. It's like literally mm -hmm. just to help people. And I was really moved by that. Um, and I was in college during the 2016 election. So yeah. sort of seeing the rise of Trump was, you know, pushing me away from obviously that direction. And then other yeah. figures Bernie, who was really inspiring to me, kind mm -hmm. of pulling me to the progressive wing. And I got connected to a governor's race my senior year um, in mm -hmm. Alabama. And I split my time between school and working on that race. So I had my mm -hmm. first full-time job yeah. uh, while I was a senior in college and kind of, and I, and I loved working on that campaign. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that was pretty heartbreaking. But <laughs> it felt very, like, it felt like I was doing something that mattered yeah. people that yeah. I cared about. Um, and I really do care about Alabama and the people of Alabama. So uh, I just was kind of chasing that high. <laughs> yeah. uh, eventually it does, it does burn you out. Um, some yeah. people can yeah. it a lot longer than I can and all the respect to them, but it's long hours. Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of heartbreak. So uh, I only made it yeah. one more time after that. <laughs> yeah. I know like, um, I like worked on one like really mildly, but like, I know like you have to like do all like the canvassing, like all that stuff, right? Phone banking, all of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of volunteer duties. So I was yeah. specifically doing campaign finance, which oh, okay. is a fancy phrase for like fundraising, uh -huh. which you know, is probably the least 
glamorous part of politics, <laughs> yeah. but you know, a necessary evil, if you will, mm -hmm. in our system as it is now. I hope one day it's not, etc. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and just like you know, making sure that they're that candidates can fundraise the money they need to run a successful campaign. Um, mm -hmm. And but yeah, like the canvassing is, in my opinion, the fun part of the job. Yeah, so yeah. I would begin to do that whenever I could, and you know, continue volunteering on campaigns to this day. Mm -hmm. I can. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Um, I guess, like, how did working with those campaigns translate into uh, working with the Sierra Club? Were there, like, some things that you noticed were similar between the two or, like, skills that could apply to both, things like that? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to finance, you know, every organization yeah. Yeah. With needs money, financial management, and that's a big part of my job right now. Uh, but, you know, I think... The skills of just organizing and connecting with the community are are pretty universal. And, you know, I, I've exclusively worked in red states, um, mm -hmm. so I'm definitely no stranger to, you know, having to tailor my message to people who might not agree with it or consider yeah. the words I'm using. And that's definitely no different in Alaska, especially working on environmental and conservation, you know, mm -hmm. progress in a state that is so dependent on oil is similar yeah on like Medicaid expansion in a state as red as Alabama. So Alabama, it, yeah. in that regard, the like being creative, I suppose, mm -hmm. translates well. Yeah, that's really cool. Cause I think at least for me, I've always experienced living within like California. So like, obviously like, it's like almost like an echo chamber of like a lot of people who have like the same ideas. So I've like not really ever dealt with that, I guess. So like, it's really interesting to see like the different experience across just like a couple hundred thousand or not thousand, but like a hundred miles or so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think, like, one thing that I was interested in, obviously, like, the past couple of days have, like, had a lot more focus on climate change, especially with the fires in Maui. What have you kind of noticed in Alaska specific over the last couple of years when it comes to climate change? What are, like, some changes, I guess, like, that you've noticed? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty well documented that the Arctic is warming um, mm -hmm. considerably faster than the rest of you know, the planet. And I had the opportunity to visit the Arctic last year, which was amazing. And yeah. you can uh -huh. almost feel the sponginess of the land as if it, like mm -hmm. you almost feel the, the permafrost melting beneath your feet. Um, mm -hmm. And you can see it like in ConocoPhillips pro Willow Project, uh, you know, yeah. they are going to have to refreeze the ground to build their infrastructure because the permafrost is melting. So, uh -huh. which, you know, is obviously maddening, but it's, that is definitely like, I think a big, very obvious and very scary, tangible thing that we can see. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, you hear from native leaders in Alaska that the subsistence lifestyles that, you know, they rely on have changed that like the size of caribou herds and the, mm -hmm. um, you know, just what's available when is not as consistent as it used to be. You can see it in the salmon mm -hmm. runs and, you know, things that people in this, area have relied on since time immemorial are suddenly not as viable yeah. and that is another yeah. very tangible cause of climate or effect of climate change i know earlier you mentioned like doing backpacking and things like that have you noticed like when you backpack at least like differences even over like the past couple of months that have like been really profound i guess couple of months i'm not or, sure yeah um, maybe not a couple of months but, like <laughs> last couple of years because at least like for me when i um because when I went hiking here in the United, or like not the United States, but like California, um, like every single 
almost like September, you see more and more, I guess, like dried grass, like more and more like burnt trees. So I was like wondering, like in terms of that, maybe over like the past couple of years, have you like noticed any of that yourself itself? Yeah, I mean, we dealt with some pretty um, intense wildfires over the last mm-hmm. um, several years as well. And yeah, um, just like the weather has been pretty nuts here. Like this summer has been basically nonstop rain. Last summer, it was like intense heat and some wildfires started then. And then like mm-hmm. months and months of rain. Um, we don't get in the exact same way the heat that has been like mm-hmm. plaguing the rest of the country, which I think is a very obvious effect of climate change. Um, yeah. But Alaska also has a little, you know, because we start colder, I suppose. Yeah. So we have yeah. more to go with it. Um, uh-huh. I didn't grow up here. It's hard for me to compare like yeah. Yeah. modern summers and winters to, uh-huh. you know, longer than a few years ago. But yeah. um, it's yeah, it's been, sense. yeah, it's some some crazy weather, certainly, as is everywhere. Yeah. We have flooding from melting glaciers. There's certainly some hikes. There's an uh, exit glacier in Seward where you can see the glacier receding yeah. in real time. Yeah terrifying yeah going back to like that trip in the arctic you took was there any like really fun memory that stood out because i think like one thing that's always like kind of been a bucket list for me is i really really like penguins so like i wanted to like always see them is there like anything that that stood out like any of like the wildlife or anything from the arctic no i mean or definitely no penguins um (laughs) things stuck stuck out um i think in sort of a like you definitely don't want to see a polar bear, but a little part of you yeah. wants to see a polar bear. Yeah. But yeah. This is probably lucky because they're very curious. And don't have a lot yeah. of food. Um, but we saw some caribou, which was uh, pretty great. And I mean, honestly, my favorite part of my trip to the Arctic was getting to stay, spend an, a night in Arctic Village, which is a like uh-huh. Alaska Native village up there. Yeah, and, like, with the community, and uh, that was really special. Like, felt yeah. very in a lifetime. Um, but yeah, I mean, we saw grizzly bear wolf like all the uh-huh. wildlife you could <laughs> you could imagine yeah, that's really cool i want to visit the arctic sometime have you ever thought about like visiting antarctica or is that like too <laughs> too far yeah if the if the opportunity presented itself um yeah i mean yeah. i definitely did have like a, i i totally recommend you know seeing the wonders of the world and the wildernesses yeah. as long as you know every, you know you're doing it in a responsible way and respecting you know the the land and the indigenous people there but i i do it was a very like scary thought while i was there of mm-hmm. like how many more generations are going to get to experience what i'm getting to experience yeah. like i want to make yeah. sure that that place is there for you and generations after you and i to to see as mm-hmm. well yeah that's really that's really interesting um i think one thing that i've liked asking a lot of people who've like worked in sierra club is like what's kind of like been your favorite aspect per se of like working within the organization is there like one memory or like one connection that really stands out as like really being a defining factor I mean I think something that's really great about well so I work for the chapter and so basically there's National Sierra Club and then there's chapters and we're all interconnected Uh and together when necessary but I think something really nice about the Sierra Club is that they do give the chapters a lot of autonomy because Mm -hmm. you know like there is no one better than who's on the ground to make decisions yeah. about what the state needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd say my favorite thing is like the people I get to work with because really yeah. just hardworking, brilliant um, people with lots of different backgrounds all over the country and uh, to get all those perspectives and just see like 
to get ideas and inspiration from all of my coworkers is uh, mm-hmm. is special. Yeah, um, I think like the other thing that I was, especially when I joined the Sierra Club, one thing that I really want to like know is what as what can I do as like, I guess like more of like a youth figure to like help others get more involved, like specifically like looking towards like younger kids who are probably going to be more affected by climate change. So I guess like my question is like, what would you say the youth generation can do more to like stop climate change or like how do you think like an individual could take an action like that? Um, and I mean, that's a, a tough one. And yeah, it's, it's aggravating that it kind of is up to young people because it's not yeah. really a problem that you or dare I say we, I identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. But it's something that we are going to have to deal with, um, mm-hmm. you know, in our lifetimes. And so I guess individual action is great. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's been pretty well, you know, discoursed online that like individual action is not going to save us. going to do much, like, yeah. The politicians. And so I guess I would say, you know, obviously like vote if there's a politician, but run, run for office. Yeah. There mm-hmm. aren't people running that are, you know, at least in a lot of places that are, are doing enough. Um, yeah. And just, I think the, the way that youth uses social media it like mm-hmm. we've had some of our most incredible successes through like TikTok campaigns and yeah that is what youth brings to the table. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know how to use TikTok. Like <laughs> I, I, just, <laughs> I don't know either. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and so like that is something that is very um specific to I think youth is like the way that they found online organizing, especially in COVID, yeah. uh, you know, to to use the internet as a tool for good. Yeah. Um but I mean, yeah, it's going to take structural change. So just keep bullying yeah. oil companies online and run for office. I mean, those are like the two, yeah. the two best things that we can really do. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think like, especially when you see the stories of others, you get more inspired to want to make change yourself or like take action. So I think like, that's really cool. And especially like, I don't use TikTok that much, but like Instagram and stuff, like I know like those ones like usually do a lot of, they help a lot. Um, and then the last thing, this is like more of like a really personal question because I've always been interested in it. Have you ever like seen the Northern Lights first of all by any chance in Alaska oh, or yeah. does it not come there? Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, like, I guess like, one. what's your experience with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I was just like really interested by it. So where I live in Anchorage um, is uh-huh. like in Southern Alaska and they definitely, yeah. you're like increase your chances of seeing them and the intensity of them as you move farther North. Yeah. Uh, so there are people who live in place in Alaska who I'm sure have seen versions of the Northern Lights that I have not yeah. seen. But uh-huh. last winter, I just got lucky like a few times. I would, yeah. they were so strong that I, and also it's best to get away from city lights, but last winter yeah. they were so strong. Sometimes I could see them from like my front door. Uh-huh. Um, one time I was walking home from like a big ski race because it gets dark pretty early. Yeah, yeah. And it was out and it was such like a very um, Alaskan experience. Like walking yeah, around. yeah risky and seeing the northern lights um and they're beautiful yeah yeah that's really cool and then like the second aspect i know like probably like everyone who like goes to alaska is always interesting like the 24 hour days like complete sunlight like do you enjoy them or like what are your thoughts on like the 24 hour days full of sunlight yeah i mean i think it's like like anything else you kind of get used to it and yeah because we have a a little less sunlight although i think that's exaggerated um winter at least mm-hmm. in English, uh, it's like a nice contrast of you get a lot of rest in the winter and then you kind of maybe are a little manic in the summer, but yeah, 
in a way, like it is one of those like kind of wonders of the world. Like sometimes when yeah, I, yeah. You know, if you go for a hike at 11 PM or like you can go for a bike uh-huh. ride at midnight and it's light out, it is like a whoa moment. Yeah. Sure. Kind of surreal. Yeah. 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 Um, I think like that's all the questions I had. If you want to add anything. Um, no, I think, yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope that we don't let you down and the politicians don't keep letting you down. Um, no, 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 no. Thank you so much. This was like, I learned a lot. This was like really, really like inspiring too. And I like hope to like keep talking to you in the future. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Um, well, I'll see everyone later. Thank you for listening if you stuck this long. And thank you again to Andrea for helping us so much.